0: It is okay to have fun praising God. It's more than okay. It's the prerequisite. (laughs) You should enjoy praising your Father in heaven. You should, like, love it. It should be, I was just saying to Isaac this morning, I said, you know, the world doesn't use the word word rejoice. They don't use it. Christians use that word. It even has a sound of rejoice. Like you get joy again and again and again and again. In places where you felt like you couldn't have any joy, you get joy again. We are the ones who rejoice. We're the ones who can rejoice. The rest of the world has no idea how to because once that cumulative worry and anxiety gets on you, it weighs you down and you can't get past it. We need a God to take that off our shoulders. This world's too big for us. It's too big. He's got to take it off. He's got to take it off. There's challenges. There's real challenges. I've been having the most magnificent time Talking to different people inside the church and just taking an hour here, an hour there, an hour here, which is probably pretty much every hour I had this week. And just, you know, learning, learning what people are going through. And there's a lot of people in this church family that I haven't had enough time with yet. Mike, we're going to fix that because you're the only guy in this whole place taller than me. I got to know your story, man. You're just too cool. You just look too cool over there. He's so big. He's like, hey, Pastor, gives me this bare paws. like, okay, hey, Mike. Yeah. Need to lift me up, give me a hug. So I mean, we need we are a church family. I am trying to drive this home. We are a church family. Our intention is to create not an atmosphere of family, a reality of family. Okay, that's the intention. That's what we're after. We're not after just, just something that kind of an atmosphere of family. Oh, that church has a, a, a family atmosphere. That's not what we're after. That's not far enough. There are too many problems that are too deep. That's not far enough. And family's messy. Get close. Zoom in. Take a look. There's a lot of stuff here. It's like, woo! Wow, you're really struggling. Yeah, I need a family. I need a church family. And a church family doesn't turn against me because I'm struggling. And a church family that rushes in when I'm struggling. And a church family that I can tell someone off. And then afterwards we make up because we keep coming back to the same house and there's nowhere to go. I need that kind of a family. Because guys, we're messy. We're messy. We're messy. And you know, we've got to get a hold of, this is a Christian. This is, this is a Christ given given a christ-given opportunity to us you don't get it any other way you don't get it any other way you ever meet a christian somewhere else and you have this instant bond and connection they start talking about the lord oh no lord and you start talking like your friends like you go to, you invite him to your house you're like you just met this person we're almost like super careless but, you know, but it's like there's this, there's this camaraderie, but it's deeper than that. You What's resonating in you and them is that Holy Spirit that you share, that you truly are one. We're one in the body of Christ. And it's not just this church, but gosh, we got to start here. If you can't love the person sitting next to you, then you can't love someone in another church. If you can't learn to love who you go to church with now, then we can't get any bigger than this. We've got to learn. We have to learn. We have to learn how to do it. We need to work at it together. I know it's summer and I know COVID made it around, but God bless you for fighting through it and saying, heck with that. I'm going to church. I want to be a part of this. I want to see what's going on. God's moving. I'm going to be there. I'm moving with him. And those of you online, I totally get it, but come, come, please come. So we're going to get into the scriptures. And It's Father's Day. So I have a gift for everybody. I bought these in advance to make sure they'd show up because nothing shows up very fast anymore. All right. It's Father's Day. So what that means is if it was Mother's Day, I'd have this big novel here. But it's Father's Day. (laughs) Fathers, don't freak out when I give you a book. It's like a pamphlet for crying out loud. If you can't read this thing, you'll never even go on a vacation. So it's 40 pages, and the print is even big. <laughs> I need that kind just to read it myself. But look, the, the whole key to this is, and the reason I'm giving this to you, this is not just some random gift. Oh, here's a, here's a cute little book I found that's real small. It's like Dr. Seuss for Christians. It's, this, is, this thing is super, super duper powerful. It's a little book. I'm going to share a little bit. Of it. And you'll be like, oh, well, you, you can kind of share it about it. You already shared about it. So why should I read the book? That is such a man thing to say. Yeah. I don't need directions. Yeah. <laughs> read the book. It's free. And then hand it to your wife or spouse or friend and have them read the book. It is useful to everyone. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, it's Father's Day and I'm a woman, maybe I may have actually just done something else today. No, this is for everyone. And you'll hear it. You will hear yourself in it. All right, so let's have a word of prayer because I don't like opening the word up without doing that. Lord Jesus, God, I am uh, I'm so, so thankful, God, to be here. So thankful to be here with my church family. And I pray, Jesus, that you keep knitting our souls together like Jonathan and David, like Ruth and Naomi, people that didn't even know each other until they met each other, but they had you as a common bond, and it was a bond that would never, ever break. And they're in heaven together now. It'll never break. We want our souls knit together. We don't want to be this group of people that's pretending to be and, and talking with Christianese and acting like we just got to make sure that no one else knows I'm struggling. We got to be real, but we also have to pursue you with all we have because you're worth it. And it's the only way out of this sin pit that we live in. It's the only way to freedom from anxiety and worry and, and aggression and frustration and brokenness. You're the way. You're the way and the truth and the life, Jesus. You're the gate, Jesus. You are the way to salvation. You're the way to eternal life. You're the way to peace. You say, I don't give peace like the world gives. I I, I give real peace. You need my kind of peace. And Lord, we do. We do. Even when the world gives us peace, Lord, it's like an ocean rolling in at the beach. It's, it's, it's It's like a walk in the woods. And those things are peaceful because you created them. They got your fingerprints on them on a mountaintop, but the reality is, if you're not there, there is no peace. We need you, and I ask Jesus that this just the thing that you have laid on my heart to speak to your family. Lands, so ask that your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so uh, I'm gonna be try try to be nice to my slide guy so they don't all quit. Uh <laughs> Not move <moving> around on <laughs> you too much. The first slide is truly. First Corinthians chapter one. He's not even putting it up there till he knows he hears me say it. He's like, "I'm not even going to do it because I look stupid it's you know, I get it. I get it. you could be playing music if someone else comes on the wrong note, and you're now guilty. <laughs> you know? So I send him off in the wrong direction, you know, all right, here it goes. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, it's getting too hot in here, I hate taking this off as a Golden State Warriors uh, sweatshirt in honor of their amazing win. I'm sorry, let me just take a drink, I'm a little thirsty. Um, oh, I, I, I couldn't be, I saw those cheering fans. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It is hot in here, though. I, I, can't, I can't don it anymore. All right, so I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Just a quick note about that as we move fo- through it. We are so horrible at this. In a family, in a house... We're horrible at this. Yeah. Perfectly united. Hey, let's go get ice cream. No. <laughs> it's like instantly. You All know, right, some people are already on it. No, no, no. Let's go. Let's go play miniature golf. Well, there's this place that has both. No, I hate both of those things. Let's let's go uh, to the beach. Well, no, I wanted to get ice cream. It's hot out. Well, no, I want to play miniature golf. That's one family. Trying to do something fun. Everybody fighting on the way, except for the one who's happy because they got their way. In a church, churches have split over the volume of the music. Hope that doesn't happen after today. Uh, Churches have split over the color of the carpet. I wish to God that was not true. Over decisions of what type of ministry they were going to employ. And they were both good ministries, but strong personalities, wanted different ones, had a big fight, went in different directions. If you think the apostles... Were, were, you know, oblivious to this or, or, or uh, you know, um, they, they're never affected by this, then you don't know that Paul and Barnabas split over, and so often, a cousin. You know, his cousin Mark, who kind of left him midstream, and Paul's like, no, you're not doing it again. He said, well, then I'm not going to hang out with you anymore, Paul, because he's, he's valuable to me. But God is so amazing at wrapping things around because later on when Paul's in prison, he asks for Mark, so just understand that even though we might have arguments, we might have things where we kind of break off for a little while, we, we, we say things that we, we hurt each other, God can repair it. If he can't, then we are in big trouble. So we're not going to be perfectly united all the time, but we're aiming for it. Where will we be united? When we're worshiping God together, when we're praying together because we're two or more gathered, there he is in the midst. When his Holy Spirit is present, that's when we're united and we're seeking that and we need to be seeking. That's why Hebrews 10, 25, 26, it tells us, don't forsake the gathering of the elect because the more you get together, the more you access the throne, the more you behold him, the more you become like him and we become more one. The less you behold him, the less you become like him and the more you be like the world around you. And that's when we start dividing and breaking and snapping and twisting. So, okay, I didn't get very far. Uh, That was not the message, so let's get into it. So, uh, a little further then. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and perfectly united in... uh, Perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another one says, I follow Apollos. Another one says, I follow Cephas. Still another one, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And the obvious answer is no. And Paul goes on to say, I'm thankful I didn't even baptize most of you yahoos. I put in yahoos. But he does tell them that he didn't want... He was so glad he didn't... He said, yeah, Stephanas, and He named a couple of others. He said, like, yeah, yeah, his family. Yeah, none of the rest of you. I don't want you to say, walk around and say you're baptized in my name. All of us are looking up there. It's like you go to the beach. Everyone's looking at the water. There's nobody looking this way. Everybody's looking at the water. Everybody's looking at what God did. You don't look in another direction. You just look to him and we get so twisted when we look at a man never look at a man look at god Mm -hmm. so if this thing kicks me off again all right so brothers and sisters is the next should be the next one beautiful we're working like a team you and me brothers and sisters I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. We're still in Corinthians. We're still in 1 Corinthians. These are going to be the first few chapters. We're going to hit several things and then go to James. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Ow. That's like, that's just like, uh, you know, you got John baptizing people. who says, you brood of vipers, who told you to come out? It's not like a, a real awesome plan for getting more people. You know, it's not like the, the people collection plan is to call them names. But he says, mere, you're mere infants in Christ. Why does he say that? I gave you milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. <laughs> Ouch. That hurts. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos." are you not mere human beings? Because you're reducing yourself to mere human beings because you're following a mere human being. See? You see, don't act like mere human beings. We are all looking up. Everyone in the kingdom, the smartest, most brilliant speaker you can think of that you love to listen to online, they are crawling in the kingdom. They are needing to spend time with Jesus Christ every day just to keep doing what they're doing and desperate for Him to change their life to make them more like God. And you think, oh, well, that can't be. Well, Paul saved the then known world in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, wow, there's no more work for me in Asia. I'll go over here. I- how can that be? I would love to be able to say, there's no more work for me in Waterville. I, I'm going to have to go to Gardner and Augusta, and you know, there's nothing left here. I, I've, I've ministered to everybody. He says that this is a very powerful, influential man, and he's the same man that says, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the worst. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the body of Christ. How do you weigh that? How do you weigh that? How do you weigh being someone that is one of the most uh, this book calls him one of the six most influential people that ever lived with "I'm the chief of sinners." It's because one helps you access the other. Let's talk about it. Go a little further. I, uh, so we're going to go to James now. James 3.13, beautiful. Who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if you want to do just what you want to do and really you're not looking the whole picture, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Don't pretend it's not true. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. You hear the terminology? Paul's saying you're fighting with each other and calling other things God that aren't. It's idolatry and it's demonic. Don't live there, the quarrels. Don't live there. For where you have, listen to this. This is, this is one of those 316s. James, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. This takes down church after church after church after church after church. Selfish ambition and envy. I was looking for that position. I I didn't get it. I, I, was, I was looking, I had a plan for this room, and it's not happening. I had, I had a vision for this particular thing, and it's not going. We do it all the time. We all do it, and we do it because we're passionate. So the thing to remember is, okay, everyone's passionate. Everyone feels very strongly. Everyone feels like I need to apply what, what I felt like God spoke to me to this, but then we've got to be wise enough to go to the body and find out what the body at large really wants to do. Because it's really hard when you're passionate about something, and someone says, "No, it's not. I don't feel the same way." Uh, but the color should be green. Mm, I'm kind of seeing red. <laughs> well, green's my favorite color. I see red. Blood of Christ. They'll throw some scripture at you. It should be like the blood of Christ. I got. Can't think of a green thing to put on the, <laughs> the scriptures. And then, you know, and then something just doesn't happen. And and the problem isn't that neither one doesn't doesn't care about the church. It's just that we are so easily offended. We're so easily broken down. And I'm there too. I way get it. I way understand this. This mattered to me. So I'm going to share with you what I got out of it because I want you to see it. Not every time, but many times that I'm preaching, the failures that I'm referring to are ones that I have, ones that I'm wrestling through. Not every time, though, so don't think every single one. This one, yes. Next scripture. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, this is, by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is Paul speaking again to that group of Corinthians. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. I don't care. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Now, brothers and sisters, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, don't go beyond what's written. And then you won't take pride in being a follower of one of us, a leader in the body, over against another, Apollos, Cephas, Paul. For what makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? All right, so let's talk about pride. The pride word that's being used here is an unusual word, and it's really just Paul that does it. It's fusio. you pronounce it physio, but it looks like like physiological. It's P-H-Y-S-O-O, an extra O there. It's physio, and it has a different meaning than the hubris pride that we usually see all through the word. Physio or physio pride, the one that Paul keeps referring to, it refers to something that is distended. It's, it's like a balloon that you've blown way too deep. It's like when you've got horrible cramps because you have terrible gas and it won't go away and it hurts, like it's killing you and it hurts. And you're trying to get some kind of medicine, some antacid to, to stop it because it's so brutal. It's like that. And the way that he was referring to this pride, what he's saying is, listen, yeah, okay, so an example he uses in the book, this is one, I'm not giving the whole thing away. It's not like I'm telling you the end of the book or the end of a movie. He said, you don't walk around and think, oh, wow, my toes, they're really working today. Oh, toe's really in it. I feel that. You know, you don't, you don't think, oh, my toes are so awesome. They're at their best when you don't even realize what they're doing. It's when you do something to them, man, my toes are, you know, walking through at nighttime and you catch a stair, you catch a table leg, you'll catch the dog, and that hurts. I ran over my foot with a lawn mower. I had a Dr. Seuss foot for about, like, you know, a few months. I had seven toes instead of five. Thank God it cut them lengthways instead of, you know, off. So it's just like, no wow, no, you know, I had all these, I pulled up my shoe, and it, it, hit, him, it hit him, I fell that way, when I fell, I fell that way, and it went, mm, big toe, and the one next to it, and you take me to the doctor, they're sewing it up, he said, you know, you're not going to be dancing for a while, I said, yeah, I don't dance anyway, so it's not going to matter, he said, does your wife know, I said, yes, yeah, she knows I don't dance, he goes, no, does she know you cut your foot, <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So for like, for every step, so I go to college. I'm in college at the time I did it. Every step, like, oh, oh, and just walking from class to class to class. It was so brutal. It was bad enough just not to be playing ball, but it was way more brutal to be walking. And then I was coming to this one class, and a guy was late, and he rushed out and threw the door open. Right on it. And oh, my Lord. That was bad. I'd just become a Christian, and you could tell. So, so I noticed the toe every time I stepped on it because it hurt so bad. And that is your ego. And it's my ego because the word being referred to here, the fusio, it has everything to do with our ego. It's your pride. And the word tells you, the, the, the world, rather, tells you what you need if you are, if people are troubled and they're doing things wrong and, and, and you know, this kid, all oh, he acts up in school, he acts up in school and we always say, oh, he's got low self-esteem. Yeah. And that's true. So what you think is, okay, the way to fix it then is to get him a high self-esteem. So a good teacher will do things like, okay, I'm looking for things a kid can do, anything that they can do. Anything. I had this tremendous athlete that could just do backflips all the way across. So I was like, man, show everybody, show the whole class what you can do, because he fails everything. I mean, he he failed everything. He's already stayed back and he's failing again. So just find something to kind of boost this kid up and show everybody, wait, wait, I'm not worthless. Because that's really, truly what drives a lot of us into the ground is that, that feeling. But that doesn't fix the problem. Nothing about it fixes the problem because a low self-esteem will drive you to do bad things. Absolutely. But the answer is not a high self-esteem. We know people who have a high, too high of a self-esteem of themselves. We don't like them either. High self-esteem is, oh, I'm better than you. I, I carry on an air that I'm better than you. I think I'm smarter than you. And, and, and people usually just do it in the areas that they are better and then they might not act anywhere else. But someone, someone I've, I've had some friends who really, really did well financially and they had an issue with just always putting that in everybody's face. And, you know, there, there's just like, there's, there's this thing where too high of a value on yourself Or too low of a value on yourself. We're like, okay, you're prideful. The problem is you're prideful. We got to take you down a notch, or you got a low self-esteem. We got to take you up a notch. And the reality is, we got to get rid of it all together. We have to get rid of the ego altogether, because either one of those people is constantly thinking of themselves. The one who's low self-esteem is like, oh, I've been hurt today. They said this to me. Oh, I was hurt today. I don't like the way they spoke. I don't like the way they snubbed me. I don't like the way they left me all alone. Those three went out and they didn't even include me. They know I I would have wanted to go. You can't even get through a day without feeling that way once. The woman who is a brand new mom, young mom. She's sitting at home and she's got this baby that's taking up all her time and she's feeding it and she's exhausted and she didn't sleep all night. The baby wakes up early because that's what they do and then she gotta change it and she's like a baby slave. She's a baby slave. Everything is about the baby. She loves the baby, no question. But does she get exhausted? Yes, and she's looking out and she sees her friends without babies. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to wrestle with trying to find formula. They don't have to wrestle with being overtired. They don't have to to call like 15 different babysitters to find one that'll just give me one hour to see half a movie. They don't have to do all that stuff. They just go, oh, it's so much fun for you. And those other friends, they're out there at the movie wishing to God they had a baby. Wishing to God they just felt that breath Soft puff, puff, puff. Just one that. I want my own child. She beat me to it. And I don't have one of those. I don't even have the the person that would stay in the game with me to raise that baby. And they're missing sleep and sitting on their bed at night thinking about, I wish I had what she had. And the one at home saying, I wish I had what she had. And what's the problem with both of them? It's a low self-esteem. It's like, I'm not good enough. I'm just, I'm just this baby slave. Oh, I'm just this woman. I'll never have a child. And, and they thinking about themselves all the time. I'm left out. I'm snubbed. I'm the one that nobody cares about. I'm the one. I'm the one. And then the other one is just like, oh, I know I'm the one. I know I'm the one. But here's the problem. Whenever you're the one, you stop being the one. One of the most frustrated people that I ever see is Michael Jordan. He doesn't look happy. Every time I see him, he looks sad. I hate it because he was always smiling and everything. And I've watched the videos. I know he could be kind of a jerk to the other guys. But what a player. He's just best I've ever seen. But now, he's 50-something. Now, he doesn't have those skills anymore. And yeah, you can keep going back to, oh, but I want all those championships. But you can't right now. See, you will fall. You live long enough, you'll keep falling. And you know what's scary? You're on a very fragile precipice. Break a leg, break the bank, break a heart, break God's rules. And if it can tear you down, and it can tear you down hard. So the answer doesn't come in trying to puff up your ego or deflate it. Those things just happen all the time. And the reason your ego feels like that toe, ow, oh, he said this, oh, ow, hey, that hurt. Why? You know, I, all someone's got to do is just compare you to somebody else. Just compare to somebody else. Someone who you feel, mm, yeah, they are better than me. My favorite memories all center around things that I didn't do well or badly. I was just enjoying the moment. My first child being ripped out by C-section. Me almost passing out in the room, unfortunately way too tall for that like six-inch little thing that they put up to prevent you from seeing what they're doing. I'm like, no, I, I can see, I can see, could you just lift that? Unreal moment. My first child. I didn't do anything well, I didn't do anything poorly, I was just there. I remember this one time pushing Allie, my daughter, on her swing. I was lying down on the swing and just pushing. It was a beautiful sunny day. It was, it was, we lived in a two-bedroom trailer, and there were five of us. My car barely could squeeze us into this little Ford Escort. I barely f- squeezed into a little Ford Escort. I barely squeezed, but I got a family of five. We, we sleep in the living room on an inflatable mattress. I'm a teacher, and it was, it was, uh, it was you know, 30-something years ago, and I had no money, and that's just how it was. And I got so many happy memories from right then. I got so many happy memories from right then. I was at a board meeting with one guy that lives uh, near the water, ton of money, uh, just has everything, everything. And, you know, I'm scrambling to pay a mortgage that is over my head because I bought it in 2006. Don't ever buy a house in 2006. That's not what you do. Don't do it right now, by the way. (laughs) We're right about there again. it's right at the peak, I said, okay, now I'll buy Because then the next year, it's worth half as much, and now you're now going to be in debt for a long, long time. So that's where we were, trying to make my payment. I was just thinking, man, I wish I could be like this guy. He can pay. I think his house is paid for. And it's like a super-duper. He's got everything. And we were talking about something. I I made mention of something like that. He goes, Doug, there's a lot of dead man's bones in those rich houses. And man, did that stick on me. See, we're always looking at what someone else has, what someone else has, and we're evaluating ourselves all the time by comparing ourselves to somebody else. And the ego, every time you step, it hurts because it's messed up. It's like my broken toe. Every time you step on it, it hurts. And it gets stepped on all day long. Get on Facebook. Does your ego get stepped on? Just get on Facebook. Oh, wow, their family's prettier than mine. Oh, wow, they have more money than me. Oh, wow, they're all happy. The problem is we're evaluating ourselves based on whether we feel less or more than someone else. It's not okay to just be. We've got to be better. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity makes this profound comment. He said, people are not happy because they have a lot. And by being rich, you know, you're happy, or you're you're the best at a sport, and that makes you happy, or you're the most attractive, that makes you happy. It's not about that. It's never been about that. What it is about is being more attractive or being richer than that other rich person or being smarter than the other smart person. It's about being better than someone else or not. That's the problem. That's our situation. Our ego is distended. It's fusio. It's enlarged. It always hurts like a cramped stomach that's bloated. It always hurts. And it's easily affected. All you, got, you got real bad cramps, you just got to move wrong. Oh, gosh. And you feel it. You got that broken toe, you just got to step on it or have someone slam a door on it, and you know. But it's always bruised. We come into this life like that. Comparing, 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 comparing. No idea what other people are struggling with. So how do we we beat it? There's another problem, by the way. And, and, And Timothy Keller, who is the author of the book, I love him. He brings us out. The ego is insatiable. Your pride, your fusio, it is insatiable. Do something well, and people give you accolades, and you feel like, okay, now that's my line then. Next time, I gotta be at least to that. If I don't do as well next time, I come down here, it's like, oh, rats, I'm losing ground, they don't like me as much. So as soon as you do this, you feel like, okay, that's my line, but then if you improve on it, that's my line, now it's super scary. This is teetering. I can fall. I can deflate. I can deflate. My ego is extended. I can deflate. (laughs) Or worse, you perform here. And next time you perform here. And next time you perform here. And people will tell you. It's insatiable. You can't get good enough. You can't. People that, people that have played professional sports and they've won all the trophies, people that have been in the movies and they have all the money and they've got the awards, they've got the Golden Globe. they've got whatever, they will tell you, it doesn't get you there. Now I have to do something else. It, incidentally, is how my Warriors won another championship. <laughs> because they felt, you know, they didn't make the playoffs, that was insulting. Come back. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to make it out of here alive. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, you, you have to fight again. You have to fight again. You're on top. You're down bottom. You're on top. Everybody makes fun of you. You come down a little bit. You get up there. Oh, I get some accolades. Now you're down. But pretty soon you won't be able to do it at all and you won't get any accolades. Now you're sitting at home taking out the garbage. There's no accolades for that. How do you beat it? What do you do with an insatiable ego that is already broken and hurts all the time? And if you do well, it'll hurt. And if you don't do well enough, it'll hurt. No one is free how do you escape? Because how do you get out of the courtroom that you keep putting yourself into? How do you get out of a courtroom that you keep judging yourself? You, the verdict is always guilty. You keep judging yourself. Oh, I'm not good enough. I didn't do that well enough, I'll do better. Oh man, I did so bad. I'm just going to do worse next time. It doesn't matter if it's high or low. It's still distended. It's still broken. So, This one's not a slide, but listen. 2 Corinthians ten twelve says, We don't dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. It's Paul talking again. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Another scripture says they fall short. Always. Then this. This is also 1 Corinthians, and it actually precedes the other chapter. Is 1 Corinthians 2. And Paul gives us some wonderful advice. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, the bruised ego, but it's the spirit who's from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. But the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person isn't subject to merely human judgments, including your own. You're not subject to your own judgment if you keep going to the cross over and over and over and over and play out the gospel and play out the gospel. He went to the cross for me. He loves me more than anyone has ever loved anyone. He adores me. I'm, the, I'm I'm like the most important thing in the world to him that he was willing to give up his life for. That's who I am. I'm treasured. How many of you would love to have someone in this world who would be willing, you don't want it to have to happen, but would be willing, and you knew it, to take a bullet for you. And he did. But it's better because he did it when you weren't doing anything right. He did it when you had this distended ego, and you were arguing about who's the greatest. Right before he goes to the cross, that's where he finds his disciples. Hey, what are you guys talking about on the road? Who's the greatest? <laughs> and none of you looked at me. <laughs> this is, they're walking with Jesus and having an argument about which one of them's the greatest. We got a problem, people. But we have a solution. We have a solution. Tim Keller's line that I love, that he uses over and over, I never dreamed I could be so corrupt, but I never imagined I could be so loved. He knows us. He sees us. He understands us. He lived like us, tempted in any way like we are, and yet did not sin. We have a God who adores us. We have a Father who cannot stop loving you. He's a king. He's the most important thing in the universe, and he loves you. He's not just the mayor of your city that loves you or the governor of your state or even a president or an emperor. It's God. And he loves you more than anyone else could. So if you're that loved, why are we worried about who didn't take us to the movies? Because we're ridiculous. We're ridiculous. If you think I'm making fun of you, I'm not. This is me. I fight this battle every day. Oh, wow, that message was awesome. Oh, Rats, next week's got to be better. We We just do that. Well, that message, well, you kind of tanked that one. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was good. <laughs> you know, it doesn't even matter. Paul says, I don't even judge myself. Oh, that's where I want to be. Don't you want to be there? How amazing would it be if the Celtics just said, Great job. Warriors, Those are some amazing shots. We're so proud of you. Let that just permeate. But seriously, what would it be like if we could live like that? Wow, red, huh? That's a pretty good call, actually. I wanted green. But the carpets can be red. That's not the most important thing at my church. If we could get to the place where we're not first judging ourselves and wondering why someone said something to us, which I've spent two thirds of my life doing, and just be free. Oh, my Lord. The answer is we can. But the way you get there is something that we're not doing enough. You open the Word of God and you spend time with Him And you get together with other people who are doing that. And all the more as the day approaches because the days are evil. That's what the scripture tells us. All the more as the day approaches, keep getting together, keep worshiping together, keep loving on each other, keep knowing each other. Most importantly, keep loving me. That's the order. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. It's the way that he set up the cross that he died on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The whole thing's set up this way. He says all the law and the prophets are set up on this. We need to learn how to do it. We need to learn how to do it. We need to learn how to be patient with each other, how to bear with one another, and stop running ourselves into the ground with self-accusations, with self-judgment. It is not healthy, and it doesn't work. I strongly, strongly beg you, read the book. I gave you a tiny snapshot. But see, the verdict is in. The verdict from the King of Kings is in. You know what it is? You are awesome and worth dying for. The verdict is in. You are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life, and I love you. The verdict is in. God can make anything he wants, and so he does. And then on the end of all of his creation, he goes, now for the crescendo, now for the thing I love the most. Man. Do you understand? He can make anything he wants, and he chooses us. For the joy set before him, he went to the cross. The joy is us. If you walk out of here and you don't crack your Bible this week, you'll be hating yourself by tomorrow morning. You'll be judging yourself. You'll be, you'll be over-distended. Ow, ooh, ow, oh, wow, aw. You will. If you don't get together with a friend that you know believes and pray together, you're going to be feeling the same way because the world's going to keep coming. Yeah. The world's going to keep coming, but so will he.